This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for joining us this weekend. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. I'm Maura Dooley. And we are in the full stretch of fall here. October football is full swing. And that means, of course, some some highs and some lows. Injuries being the low part of that, I would say. And the Seahawks suffering two huge injuries last week. How have you guys been been coping this week with seeing Earl Thomas go down, uh, the all-pro safety, and then also the rookie tight end, Will Disley, who's shown a pretty Uncle promising, Will. I know, Will, Uncle Will, Billy Bozeman, uh, the former UW Husky man. Well, how am I coping with it? I'm uh, I'm making more whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> You're helping us all cope with exactly. it. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty stunning uh, to watch the game last Sunday with the kids. Uh, see the injury, and it didn't look like it was terribly violent or anything out of the ordinary. In fact, it looked similar to kind of the same situation where he got his legs tied up on a collision as the injury that caused him to miss all that time uh, previously. But the first time he broke his leg, he didn't flip the team off as he was exiting the building as he did this time. No, no, he didn't. That was was unfortunate to see someone as beloved as Earl Thomas kind of most likely end his career with the Seahawks that way. It was sad. Last, the final image in a Seahawks uniform. Yeah, although it it must be said that he is not either the first Seahawk to do that and neither the first Seahawk to do it in that very stadium as Marshawn Lynch did it. Same thing a couple years ago. Yeah, well, I liked uh, Pete Carroll's response. He said, well, I didn't see it, and it's a big stadium. Who knows who he was directing (laughs) that to? (laughs) Sure, we don't have one way to go about it. Yeah, I'm telling yourself that. Well, you know, they're in Glendale. They're playing the Cardinals. Maybe he was giving the Cardinals the bird. Yeah, the official state bird of Arizona. I know. (laughs) What's going on in the headlines this week? Well, when's the last time you were at an IHOP restaurant? You know, it's been a while. I in college, I might have gone to one or two to get my pancakes fixed, but it's been a while. Okay, probably early, early morning. Early yes, morning. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, my kids like to go because they like the Rudy Tooty fresh and fruity breakfast. <laughs> but uh, something more for the adults. If you remember earlier in the year, IHOP came out with their publicity stunt where they changed a the name from IHOP to IHOB, the International House of Burgers, to garner more media play. Now they have released a fall-inspired craft beer, and they are calling it IHOPS. <laughs> Catch your name? Yeah. It is a pumpkin pancake stout, limited edition, fall-inspired craft beer brewed by Kingston, New York-based Keegan Ales. The ale pairs a flavor of pumpkin and seasonal spices with IHOP's buttermilk pancakes for a smooth, rich stout, according to the company press release. Keegan Ales is a producer of one of the top ten stouts in North America, according to the New York Times. And this is an innovative flavor profile of IHOP's pumpkin pancake stout. It uses some of their buttermilk pancake mix. This just goes along with what we talked about a few weeks ago about all of the pumpkin spice inspired flavors for the fall this year. Wouldn't be fall without pumpkin spice in everything. That's right. (laughs) The IHOP's 
pumpkin pancake stout, that's a mouthful, <laughs> made its debut at the 5th Annual Bacon and Beer Classic in Flushing Meadows, New York in late September. And it's going to be available throughout New York State for much of October. And uh, if anybody gets their hands on it, we'd love to sample it. And I bet you it goes well with sausage, eggs, and, of course, pancakes. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like you've got to be in New York for the chance to try this, but some pretty great events, too, that this is at. The Bacon and Beer Classic? I mean, I, I would be, I would definitely be down for that. <laughs> and yeah. brew at the yeah. zoo at the Bronx Zoo. Right? Sounds like pretty fun time. Oh. Yeah. So if anybody gets their hands on it, be sure to share with us. What else is going on in the news? Well, we talk regularly about the insane amounts of money that people are willing to pay for booze at auction. Here's another example. This uh, one comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. As part of the Bourbon and Beyond event created for the Art of Bourbon Speed Museum in Louisville, Kentucky, somebody bought a $131,000 bottle of Albert B. Blanton single barrel uh, whiskey. And so they raised a bunch of money for this speed museum in Louisville, Kentucky. And other products that were there were very rare vintages of Old Forester, Pappy Van Winkle, King of Kentucky, and a bunch of stuff from Heaven Hill Distilleries and Four Roses, all raising money. And again, it will be no surprise that people are dropping lots of money during the height of an economic boom on rare bottles of booze. We talk about a lot of these almost weekly, and it still just blows my mind. Yeah. Well, as long as uh, the economy is roaring, you're going to continue to see stories about people spending outlandish sums of money on yeah. lots, of, lots of stuff. And finally, in the news, I didn't go to Southeast Missouri State University, although this sounds like it would be a great place to go. We're in the middle of football season. And according to MSN.com, the university president apologizes for chugging from a beer bong. Oh, my gosh. That's never an apology you want to have to give, is it? No. No, that's right. Now, I think it's comical that uh, this happened the same week when uh, Brett Kavanaugh was given his testimony in front of the Senate committee on uh, being named to uh, be a possible associate justice in the Supreme Court. And uh, one of the best quotes was, yeah, I like beer. I drink beer. Uh, sometimes I drink a lot of beer. So this from a university president. Uh, he issued an apology after a video of him drinking from a beer bong during a football tailgate party uh, was circulated, and it drew criticism. The video was circulated on Barstool's sports uh, Twitter account, and Dr. Carlos Vargas, who is the president of the university, not only had to apologize, but had to explain what a beer bong is to many people. <laughs> oh, um, no. Not to any of us listening to the show, I'm sure. Uh, as though he was talking to aliens, Quote, I was observed being offered and accepting to drink beer from a beer bong, a device normally associated with excessive or binge drinking, which is conduct I do not condone. And quote, there's only one moral to the story, and that is you should beer bong in private. Postscript said the students, our president is cooler than yours. Yeah, this is I've, I've heard of, of the front office wanting to get in touch with their student body, but this is probably not the way that you want to go about bonding with them. <laughs> not in the age of video cameras everywhere and social media. Yeah, it lives on forever. Now, 
<laughs> Would this be more likely to happen at Wazoo? Yes. <laughs> and we are waiting for evidence of anything like this happening oh, at Wazoo. No. And if you have it, post it, share it with us. And uh, I'm sure folks uh, at ESPN Radio, including Dave Wyman and others, will be very happy to see it. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, while wineries are hitting their stride with direct shipping, retailers are facing somewhat of a resistance on the shipping front and how this could affect you as a wine customer. We'll explain. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks again for joining us on this fine Saturday. We've talked a lot over the course of this show, now over a year that we've been doing this, over the evolving industry, all the different changes. And even since we started, I feel like there is a lot that's been done in terms of delivery of beer, wine, and spirits. And this week, direct shipping is the topic of conversation. Justin, can you explain this a little more? Sure. So direct shipping, otherwise known as DTC or direct to consumer, this is where you would pick up the phone and call your local favorite brand house, or you might go on the internet, or you might go and uh, go to go to a winery and you go through the tasting room experience and you sign up for a wine club, or you buy bottles while you're at the winery tasting room when you are at your favorite brewery and you get a pint of beer or you get a six-pack to go or maybe you get your growler filled or refilled. Maybe you are going to your local distillery and you buy a bottle or you have a drink. That's all direct to consumer. So what do we mean by that? We mean the manufacturer is selling the product direct to the consumer without going through the multiple tiers of distribution. This is how most every winery, brewery, distillery starts off, and this is how they grow their fan base, experiment with products, generate revenue, and grow their business. So in 44 states, it's legal for wineries to ship to wine club members at their homes. Now what's happening is the retailers, the stores, want to start shipping to customers. So what's the difference? Well, in the winery environment, you are the manufacturer. Maybe you have one type of wine, like a Pinot Noir. Maybe you have five types of wine. You make a cab, you make a blend, you have Merlot, you've got a couple of whites. People walk in your winery and they sign up for your wine club and they will ship you wine to your house quarterly. Well, the retailers who own the liquor stores or retail stores around the country want to start getting into this. Why is that? Well, the changing nature of the consumer, online, direct to home, delivery, and so on, they are tired of missing out. And the thing that the retailers have that wineries, breweries, and distilleries don't have is those retailers have access to a huge, wide swath of a variety of products. You know, if you go to Total Wine and More, they have 3,000 spirits from all over the world. Wow, they yeah. have 4,000 wines, 2,000 beers, and so on. They've got a huge variety, uh, but it's not been legal to do that. This week, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear a case that pits the uh, retailer that wants to go and start uh, getting the license to ship to consumers in Tennessee against the state of Tennessee. They're saying that the Tennessee requirements for residency to get a license are too constrictive relative to the equal protection aspects of the Constitution. So the Supreme Court now is getting ready to hear this case on whether or not retailers should be able to ship to consumers across state lines 
just like wineries and distilleries and breweries have the ability to sell direct to consumers in many cases across state lines. So are some of the biggest issues at play as to why these aren't, why it's not already legal, uh, include taxes, uh, the whole vetting process of making sure that people's IDs are checked? What else would be an issue at play? Well, it depends on who you talk to. If you talk to the retailers, the retailers will tell you all of that can be worked out with technology. We can sign up to get the permits. We can get the licenses. We can make sure the proper taxes are paid so that if we ship to a consumer in Illinois, we pay the Illinois tax. If we ship to a consumer in California, we Mm -hmm. pay the California tax. Technology exists to track that. Uh, Companies do it all the time right now. Uh, In terms of uh, checking ID, well, that's no different than when you get your prescription delivered to your home in most states, it's no different than these 44 states where wineries are allowed to ship directly to consumers. They have to present an ID, demonstrate their 21. Otherwise, FedEx or UPS won't release the package to you at the door. They don't just leave it behind. It's because in the current situation, wineries, distilleries like us, we've got to put all sorts of labels on the boxes We have to check the box that says 21 and over, must check ID, must get signature. They're not allowed to leave the box behind. Like Amazon, you know, if you order a mouse for your computer and you're not home, they're going to leave it on your front doorstep. Well, when it comes to alcohol shipments, that's not allowed. So the ID check is is already in use. Where this really comes into play is the middle tier of distribution and some of the supply contracts. So the middle tier of distribution is managed by licensed distributors. And those distributors operate in a single state, in some cases in a single territory within a state. They've acquired license or contractual rights to distribute product within that territory. They buy the product from the supplier, like maybe say Jack Daniels out of Tennessee. And then when they get it, they resell it to retailers in their own territory. So now if you're the distributor, imagine you have spent all this money to acquire your shipment of Jack Daniels. It's in your warehouse. You are paying for people on the streets to go off and sell it to the bars, restaurants, and retailers within your zone. And now all of a sudden, somebody at home says, you know what? I'm going to order it and have it direct shipped to me at home. I'm going to skip all this stuff. Remove the middleman. You're not going to like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to like that. And in every instance in the country, distributors are essentially family-owned enterprises. None of these are publicly traded entities. They're all multi-generation, franchise-enforceable type operators. They employ lots of people, lots of trucks on the road, lots of salespeople. They've got tremendous relationships in uh, retail bars and restaurants. They have a vested interest in not seeing direct-to-consumer shipments happening at the retail level. So how how plausible is it that this would become legal in all states? Well, it's unlikely to become legal in all states. I mean, if you think about the current winery situation, wine is such a widely accepted staple of the American economy right now. And yet it's still legal to ship, if you're a winery, only to 44 of the 50 states. There's still six states where it's not allowed to be shipped. And those are probably the states that you might envision uh, are probably the hardest on some of these things anyway, like I don't know, Alabama, Oklahoma, Mississippi, and so on. Here, uh, and the reason 
that you can ship to those 44 states is because the Supreme Court intervened on behalf of winemakers about 15 years ago and said, no, it's legal for wineries to ship across state lines given certain conditions. Now, this court case that the Supreme Court is, is hearing this this uh, session on this retail issue, specifically in Tennessee, it could open the floodgates to allow retailers to begin to ship across state lines. We won't know on the legal side until March or April. That is sooner than you're going to see any legislative action in any of the state houses anywhere in the U.S. because the legislative stuff moves so slowly. And even if the Supreme Court this coming March or April comes out and says, we think that this cross-state shipment of retailer sold spirits for direct-to-consumer is allowed under the Constitution, it's still going to be up to lots of interpretation and the states are going to have to put in place a vetting, licensing, permitting, and tax collection regime to ensure that uh, they are getting their money. Well, it's fascinating to watch this all unfold. Is It's sort of groundbreaking and happening right before our eyes. And you being someone who has a lot of personal experience with the legislative side of things and advocating for it here in the state of Washington. So we'll keep we'll keep tabs on this as it moves forward. Yeah, well, the one thing I always remind people is folks who are U.S. senators and U.S. representatives in D.C., they get inundated with constituents calling, emailing, and writing letters to them. The people who represent you in the state capitol, the state house and the state senate, they don't get that much outreach from their local constituents. And so if you think that you want the right to have go online and order what you want, you need to go to Olympia and ask your state senator or representative to support that. And thankfully, here in Washington, Washington is one of the few states where you can go online and order directly from a retailer. That has been allowed now for a couple of years. So Washington is groundbreaking in that way. Well, speaking of your expertise, Justin, you know a lot about the legislative process, but also a lot about Gig Harbor, because that's right where Heritage Distilling's backyard is. And coming up on Cast Club Radio, we're going to talk to Josh Sherwin, Special Projects Coordinator behind a great event that's happening in Gig Harbor. Saturday, October 13th. It's the Sip and Stroll. We're going to learn all about it. It's up next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. We are now joined by Josh Sherwin and Mary Desmarais of the Gig Harbor Downtown Waterfront Alliance. Today they are going to tell us about next Saturday's Sip and Stroll event sponsored by Anthony's at Gig Harbor. Well, how did this event come about? The Sip and Stroll is in its second year and how did this get created? Uh, actually, our sip and stroll started a few years ago as part of our wine and food festival that we had. And it was an additional event that was added to the festival to create a, a longer event, more like a three-day event instead of just a single day for the festival. So was it that popular? Was there uh, so much interest in the wine and food festival? Our wine and food festival we've been doing for, I think, nine years, and we usually attract, oh, close to 800 people uh, to the wine and food festival. Last year, we changed it around a little bit, and we renamed it the wine and food experience, and we had a sip and stroll as part of that that was very popular. Now, Gig Harbor is a really cool place. We've been down there before, and I visited uh, Heritage Distilling down there, and it just seems like a really unique community slash neighborhood because it's got a small town feel to it. A lot of people really loyal to the businesses around there. So how does that neighborhood sort of lend itself to an event like this? It's perfect. I mean, who wouldn't want to come to downtown Gig Harbor Mm -hmm. and do some wine and food tasting while strolling along our downtown waterfront? I mean, it's, it's really perfect for that. 
Absolutely. And speaking of the actual sipping part of it, you guys have a lot of local representation there. Can you name a couple or give us a a couple of examples of things that people can enjoy while they're there? Sure. I mean, it's wine and food tasting, and we have a lot more wineries than breweries or spirits, but we do have our three local breweries uh, participating. That would be Seven Seas Brewing, Gig Harbor Brewing, and Wet Coast Brewing. And, of course, um, Heritage Distilling has been a part of this on a regular basis. They're a very popular place to visit during this event. What about this event do you think sets it apart from other sort of wine and food tasting events? Well, there's a couple of things I can think of. One we, we kind of already mentioned, and that is you're walking along the Gig Harbor waterfront. That mm-hmm. is a very special place. Yeah. There's so much to see and take in. But another aspect of it is our sip and strolls, it's, it's what you get for the price of the ticket. And by that, I mean you when, you when you buy a ticket, you get a certain amount of sips, tickets that you turn in for a sip. And with our ticket, you get 15 of those. Wow. That's quite a bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. So you uh, really get to try a lot of these of these local vineyards. What yeah. is the ticket price for that? So currently through this Sunday, we are in our early bird pricing structure, which is $35. After that, the ticket goes up to $40. And then on the day of the event, it's $45. Wow, great. Yeah, so very affordable and especially for what you're what you're getting. I was just going to mention also because I think you asked about the local piece of it. A couple of the wineries that are going to be here are very local. We have Alala Vineyard and Winery and Carl's Pond Winery are both Gig Harbor wineries. But we also have a good assortment from elsewhere. We actually have two coming from the Walla Walla area. Oh, yeah. And I think there's eight or nine that come from Woodenville. And it, the list just changes each time we do one of these and where they all come from. It's it's always rotating, so it keeps it interesting. We've talked a lot on the show about the unique climate that Washington has and how so many great wines come out of the Pacific Northwest in general. Are you guys are you guys wine connoisseurs just in your in everyday lives? <laughs> I'd love to say that we are because we have a we have a very special event going on here and it's doing very well. These sip and strolls always sell out. But the experience that Mary and I have with wine is, is somewhat limited, and that is why we defer to an expert here in town. And I just want to mention who she is. Yeah, absolutely. She's the manager uh, owner of JW Restaurant here in Gig Harbor, and her name is Jamie. And, and so Jamie is the, is the real wine connoisseur, right? Yeah, Jamie Lindsay yeah. from JW Restaurant. Yeah, and she really is. And she's done a great job of keeping the selection unique. Well, it's not just about the drinks there. I'm uh, I'm always a big fan of food when I go to events oh, yeah. like this, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing that there's there's candy, chocolates, pizza, deli selections. So people aren't going to leave here hungry either, are they? No. And and this particular sip and stroll is what we refer to our autumn sip and stroll. It's you know held in the fall, and so a couple of the vendor, the food vendors that are going to be there are actually serving um, autumn-related foods like butternut squash or butternut squash soup. Uh, So there is some of that as well. Now, you guys are a part of the Gig Harbor Downtown Waterfront Alliance, so this isn't the only event that you're part of. And we mentioned that unique neighborhood and community that you guys have. What's some other things you guys have got going on either coming up or maybe you did them recently and you're really proud of them? 
Well, of course, we have Halloween, like all yeah. other, all the other communities uh, around here, and we get about 3,000 people downtown for that. The Alliance also puts on Girls' Night Out, which is a very popular event. We get about 2,000 women downtown shopping and dining in one day. Wow. <laughs> it's um, amazing. It's, it is an amazing day. We've won an award from our Washington State Main Street program for that event for outstanding promotional events, and we're very proud of that. That's well, incredible. Lydia, we have to get down there. I know. What, we've been missing out. Please do. <laughs> How long has uh, Girls' Night Out been going on? This will be our ninth year, wow. and we have a slogan that goes along with it. It's, uh, it's called, Shop and Dine from 10 till 9. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> well, no wonder you won that promotional award. I get it. <laughs> so even though it sounds like it's an event that takes place in the evening, it's actually taking place all day, and it's, it's a huge boom. And one of, the neat, one of the neat things about that event and the Sip and Strolls is that it brings people to Gig Harbor to see all of the businesses that we have, things that maybe they haven't seen, the assets to the downtown. And that's what our Main Street organization is all about, is, is getting people to experience that and help us with economic vitality in the downtown district. Absolutely. And our, currently our community, whether you're in Seattle or Tacoma or Gig Harbor, or it's experiencing a lot of a lot of people are moving here because either whether it's for work or they are finding out about how great the Pacific Northwest is. What would you want those first timers who have never been to Gig Harbor before but really want to visit? What would you want them to know about about Gig Harbor? Well, I think that the feeling of community here is so incredibly strong. And, you know, we do all of these events year-round, and we could not do it without the volunteers that we have. I mean, I'm talking thousands of hours of volunteer time every year. So there's just such a community connection amongst all the different people and, and neighborhoods and groups. So that I think people feel that. We've actually talked to people on the street during the events that they say, oh, my gosh, this is such a great place. We're just visiting. We're going to look at a, this as a place to come and live. You know, we have a waterfront farmer's market during the summer that brings people from out of town. Obviously, the boaters come in because it's sailed right on the water. And we just hear those kind of messages all the time throughout the summer. And another thing I, I, I just want to mention, too, especially if anyone's coming to the Sip and Stroll coming up here or to Girls' Night Out, is our organization does a lot more than just events. Yeah. And one of them is new to us this year that we're really proud of. It's called our Veterans Banner Project. So when people come to downtown Gig Harbor and they walk along the waterfront, they will see a variety of banners featuring veterans that have some sort of tie-in to the Gig Harbor area. And there's a, just a very special feeling to see these banners throughout the downtown and walking from block to block and, and seeing these and taking in what these people have done uh, for us all. That's really incredible. We feel really strongly about the military community and Joint Base Lewis-McChord being so close by. And I know in the past, Heritage Distilling, they have partnered uh, to do their special forces uh, project, and, and that's been really incredible. So I agree. That's It's an important thing to, to know in this community. Uh, how about where to get tickets for all of these great events? Yeah. For the Sip and Stroll, all you have to do is go to eventbrite.com. They're, they're only available online. Just go to eventbrite.com, type in Gig Harbor Sip and Stroll or Autumn Sip and Stroll, and you'll get right there and get it taken care of. And then for Girls' Night Out, maybe that's a little farther planning, but down the line? 
Yeah, this is going to sound weird, but we don't have tickets to Girls' Night Out. Oh, okay, perfect. You don't have to have a ticket to come to this uh, amazing event. I, I won't get into all the details of it, but one of the things we do is we sell goodie bags to the ladies that oh. they pre-purchase a couple weeks before the event. And the goodie bags contain all sorts of items from our really generous merchants that we have downtown, but it also has a program book inside of it that explains all the uh, things that are going on during that day. I mean, there's special activities, there's door prizes, and great coupons, shopping events, and uh, it's just, we don't sell tickets. You don't have to have a ticket to participate, but they do love to get those goodie bags. We make 1,500 of those bags available for people, and they're, they're filled with fun items, and When we put them up for pre-sale, they're usually gone within two to four hours. Wow. They go on sale, 1,500 of them. And the only way you can get them is to come downtown to purchase them at one of the businesses that's selling them. That's perfect. Well, a good excuse to come on down to Gig Harbor. We'll make sure people check out the website, get tickets or not tickets in the case of Girls' Night Out. But uh, thank you guys so much for joining us today, Mary and Josh. Hey, thanks very much. It's a pleasure. Appreciate you having us. Coming up next on Cast Club Radio, our friend Distiller Dane is back with another top five. As always, he has some food and beverage recommendations, but also a little fantasy football this week. Stay tuned. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now, joined by one of our favorite people and we haven't talked to in a while, Distiller Dane. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How's the fall been treating you so far? Been treating me uh, pretty well. The weather hasn't been too bad, but the rain has uh, kind of begun to start, so it, it officially feels like fall. The leaves are changing color, so it's good to see the season change. Absolutely. You guys have been doing tons of work at Heritage Distilling to get ready for the holidays, but I know that you've got a great top five for us. What's number one on your list this week? Uh, number one on my list. So fall is here, and that also means the NFL season is here. <laughs> number one on my list is fantasy football. Are you guys playing? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Every year I have a fantasy that I will have time to do fantasy football. So no, not this year. (laughs) (laughs) Just the rule. Yeah, I'm not the biggest NFL fan. I don't religiously follow it, but uh, I joined my first league this year. So this is the first year for me. And it's actually a lot of fun and pretty competitive at the same time. And it's actually forced me to watch uh, probably like a lot of games looking out for my players that I wouldn't really watch during the season. So it's interesting and very fun overall. It can uh, teach you a lot about your friends, too, and their competitive level. Once you if you joined a group with your friends, you you learn quickly if they're good losers or gracious winners. It's fun. Yeah, it's cutthroat out here. Yeah. <laughs> Some of my friends, I don't know if we're going to be friends after we right. find out. That's awesome. The best, the best thing I saw was at the beginning of the season, a guy had to get dressed up as a woman and hold a sign at the street corner that said, I came in last in last year's fantasy football league, and this is my punishment. No money, please. So that's that's a harsh league. Yeah, exactly. Again, with the cutthroat. All right, what's number two on your list, Dane? All right, number two. I'm a, Personally, I'm a 
collector of whiskey, so I'm a bourbon hunter and whiskey hunter, so I have the tendency to uh, almost stop by every liquor store I see, especially when I'm traveling to see what they got in their selection. And I ran into an interesting one when I was uh, in Olympia last week, and it's called Tea Brothers Liquor Store. I mean, they actually have a great whiskey and wine selection at pretty good prices, but besides being a regular liquor store, the weird thing is that they also have a gun club, which is a private gun range connected to the building. Huh. So it's behind like a casual stock room, unmarked door. I mean, you can go in there, become a club member, and they actually have a really nice cigar lounge in there as well. Wow, it almost sounds kind of like a speakeasy entrance. It really is. It was very interesting, but I guess if you like guns and whiskey, this is your place to be. <laughs> Something for everyone. Don't mix drinking and shooting. Yeah, do not mix it. You're not allowed to mix it while you're there either. Good. Good. Those are important. What's number three? All right, number three. Number three. I'm a big taco fan, and <laughs> there's actually a Seattle staple that recently opened up in Tacoma, and I went and checked it out. I've been to all the locations, but it's called El Baracho. Have you guys eaten there before? Yeah, yes. I have. Both Moore and I looked at each other with emphatic, delicious, satisfied nods. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to stay away from there, but they're serving up tacos and burritos with specialty house salsas and sa- sauces. So, Also, on their menu, which isn't traditionally found at a lot of places, they also have tongue, rabbit, goat, and lamb tacos. And most of all, they got a lot of vegetarian options and one of my favorite tacos is actually the potato taco not a lot of people make them but they have a potato and poblano pepper still taco or burrito and it is absolutely delicious wow yeah is it lunchtime yeah. like i yeah i need <laughs> to take a break <laughs> the smallest taco on the menu is the rabbit tongue taco has, has anyone been brave enough here to try it not me. That's, that's not a real thing. It's oh. just, I just made that up. Oh, okay. I was like, do you have tongue tacos, though? Is. I have tried the tongue <laughs> They do tacos. have tongue, yeah. Yeah. Beef tongue and others. But the rabbit tongue is so small, it would not be worth one. <laughs> no, yeah. But Maura, you've tried the tongue tacos? <laughs> I have. I, I tried a bite of uh, my friend that I was there with. I, I had just the regular. I think I actually tried the potato ones that Dane's oh, talking yum. about. They were really good. Good vegetarian options. Always great here in the Pacific Northwest. All right, what's number four on the list? Uh, number four. We were just talking about how fall is officially here, and that also means that it is time for pumpkin everything. <laughs> yep. I'm a big breakfast food kind of person, so I personally love pumpkin bread and scones, but also pumpkin pie. And most of all, all the seasonal pumpkin beers are coming out right now. Some others, though, of course, I have to mention, people go crazy for the pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks. And a new thing to try, if you haven't tried, is pumpkin stuffed raviolis, which are surprisingly Ooh. really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With a brown butter sauce on top and a little bit of sage. Number five. Um, number five. You guys may have heard of it, but they are releasing the new Halloween movie. And it's actually coming out October 19th. This is the Michael Myers Halloween movie. Have you guys heard anything about it yet? I just saw a poster for it, but again, I am sometimes a wimp about scary movies, so I didn't click on the trailer. <laughs> So it's based off the classic slasher film, but it's backwards. Uh, I guess they're calling it the final return. And it's oh. actually been getting rave reviews from people who've been able to pre-screen it. And Jamie Lee Curtis is actually returning to this series of this movie. And I think it's like the first time in almost 20 years from when she originally appeared in it. Wow. Sounds awesome. That's impressive. Yeah, I might I might have to make an exception for my, for my scary uh, <laughs> movie band. I saw the trailers and it, it looks fairly intense. Yeah. All right. Anything else, Dane, before we kick you out to go back to work that's it all right back to work all right see you guys later thanks dane thanks.
Well, if you're not into pumpkin spice or if you're looking for a little something else to make around your household, there is a great cocktail recipe that you guys came up with this week. I love this. We did. Fall is here. We talked uh, last week and the week before about being on the lookout for great, high-quality local apple ciders, uh, non-alcoholic apple ciders. So this apple cider mule has three ingredients, BSB, brown sugar bourbon, unsweetened apple cider, straight from the farm is best, and ginger beer. Remember, the better quality the ginger beer you get, the better your cocktail will taste. Pretty easy to make this cocktail. Get a glass with ice, put in one ounce of BSB, brown sugar bourbon. If you're like me, you might put in an ounce and a half or two Mm -hmm. ounces, but the recipe calls for one ounce. Add one ounce of unsweetened apple cider and three ounces of ginger beer. Stir it with a cinnamon stick, garnish it with a thin apple slice. This is also the kind of drink you can make in big batches in punch bowls or pitchers to have around a tailgate or around a party. And uh, you can also take this around in a mug as you follow your kids when they are trick-or-treating later this Yeah, month. that's a great idea. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Just saying. Huh, why not? The apple cider meal. Well, as always, you can find that recipe online at heritagedistilling.com. You guys kindly post it up there. You can check out past cocktail recipes every week. We've got a new one for you. You can also check out past episodes of Cast Club Radio if you just want to catch up. You're looking uh, for a little something to do on these cold fall afternoons. Those are at heritagedistilling.com. You can also find them at cairoradio.com. That's right. And now you can listen to us live Saturdays on Cairo FM and on 710 ESPN on your AM dial. And don't forget to email us, castclubradio at heritagedistilling.com. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Cast Club Radio. And don't forget to write us on iTunes. Perfect. And as always, we'll see you back here next Saturday for another episode of Cast Club Radio. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM.